Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, we came We came quietly this morning. We came tired this morning. We came wore out. And it's good to be refreshed and renewed. It's good to get into the middle of the service and feel to feel your presence upon us. It's good to be reminded of a marriage that lasts 24 years and a birthday and sobriety. Someone needed to hear that this morning. It's good to hear from old friends. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. No matter how we came or how we felt, it's good to be here and to be in your house. And it is a house of joy. Even in the darkest times and the hardest days, it is a house of joy. Remind us this morning, Lord, we may have come just to sit in a pew with no expectations. And you showed up. Doesn't matter if we have a ton of instruments or no instruments. You showed up. And we can praise your name for that. We don't want to take it for granted. We want to come with a purpose, with a plan. uh, A plan to praise your name for the victories of this day. And call upon you for the pains and failures and struggles of the day. We come not because uh, it's the fashionable thing to do or something that we were taught. We come because we want to meet you. And I pray even now that we would begin to meet you. Open our ears and open our eyes that we would hear and see you. That your words would come alive to us this morning, not because anything I say, but because of what you say. Lord, we love you so. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning, to spend time with you, and to be changed. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. hope you caught all that was good today. All that was good. I hope you heard the praise of God's people. It's powerful. It reminds us, even in the hard days, that God is still working in and amongst us. It's important. Today is the last day. No, it's not the last day. Today's the last day of our series about leaving a legacy. And I do want to make mention that out there, uh, if you get a chance and you're willing to fill it out, let me remind you about what, it, what this is about. So inside, this is about six pages. 
Uh, it's about leaving your legacy, and this is a legacy planner. Uh, this came from an idea from a financial uh, place, actually, where, where you were, people were given the opportunity to write down everything they needed financially should they uh, die. And I, I looked at this booklet that was probably that thick, and it had a place for every password, every uh, thought, every penny that you owned all went to... Uh, where it was hidden and who had the, all the information. And it had this one little page, about half a page, that said, um, if you die, who would you like your funeral home to be? <laughs> what priest would you like to do your service? Would you like to be cremated? Uh, identify the people you'd like at your service. The better one was identify the people you don't want at your service. <laughs> uh, and it, that was about all there was. And it got me thinking about how we don't make plans and we don't think about our legacy until uh, it's already gone. And so this, this booklet is really just an opportunity uh, for you to write down how you would like to be remembered and to remind yourself that you have a legacy of faith. See, because all that money, all those passwords, all that life insurance information, blah, 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 you aren't going to need it, Right? Someone else will need that, but you won't need it. Trust me. But this is what's most important. See, our, we, we think that financially, that if we got that all figured out, all's going to be well. And I've told you every week, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And so this booklet is just a way for you to be put down in some words what you'd like to share with those who are left when you leave. There's a love letter in the back. You fill it out, you don't fill it out. Just so you know how it works, if, if you fill this out and you bring it back to the office, we, we have a file, locked file, that we're going to put it in there. We're not going to read it. Uh, it's just going to go in there as a resource. You want to update it every couple years? Feel free. The goal of this, though, is for you to begin to think about the legacy you're leaving. Whatever that looks like. And, and I just got to ask you this question as we begin. What if today is the last day? What if today is the last day of your legacy? Are you proud of where you're going to land? Are you proud of the legacy you're going to leave? I don't see anybody cheering about being proud about the legacy they're going to leave. It's bothersome. Are you? Thank you. I challenge you that if today was the last day and we've been putting together a booklet every day of your life of your faith legacy and today is the last day, the, the back page, the bottom right here is today. If you're not proud of where that's at or where it's headed, then there's work to be done. Is there always work to be done? Absolutely, right? Scripture tells us, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In my mind, that means we continue to be sanctified. We continue to work uh, closer to God, and our faith is, is to draw closer to Him. I have recognized in my own life, and I was telling somebody this week, that sometimes 
I forget that ministry should be joyful. That walking someone through the death of a spouse in some way should be joyful. Maybe not in the actual act of doing it, but rather the act of understanding that I can come alongside someone and comfort them in a very dark and difficult day. Playing a game of softball when my ankle hurts when I'm done. There should be joy in that. And if there's not, it's not the, nothing wrong with the softball. There's something wrong with the guy playing the softball. Even if it does hurt, I can't help but think about those eight or nine young men on that team this year. That's not all of the team, but that's the new guys. And the impact, the legacy that God wants me to build into their lives. It's not about hitting the ball. It's not about catching the ball. It's not about missing the ball. It's not about counting home runs or whatever it is. That means so little. It's about sharing our faith. It's about leaving our legacy. And it's about being joyful doing it. And I had some work to do. Because everybody would ask, how's things going? It's busy. It's crazy busy. Got no time. I got no time for myself. I don't, blah, 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 blah. Right? And then I remember that about 11 years ago, I was begging God for this opportunity. I need to be joyful in the work that's being done. And so do you. No excuses. Right? No excuses. Play like a champion. Our legacy is learning and living and loving and leaving the truth with those we have come in contact on this earth. Let me help you maybe think about it in a little different way. It's about your trophy case, your personal trophy case of those you have led to the Lord, those you have encouraged in the faith. Those you have shared your testimony with. Those you have had an impact on by just you being you. That's the legacy. Maybe the difficult part is some of us have participation ribbons in there, and that's it. We always say, you know, we know those people who are the saints of the faith, right? We know those people who are the saints of faith. You know why? Because their trophy case is huge, right? They spent years and years and years of giving in the easy times, in the, in the hard times, in the challenging times. One of my favorite things, when, when Doug Stratton's memorial, Doug was a pastor here in the 50s and then again as an interim in the late 90s. Uh, his wife was here for a memorial service about a month ago. And in order to prepare for that, Sue Savita gave me this pile of board 
information. Uh, that was to help me get a sense of who Doug was and how it worked. But you know what I found in that meeting or in them books? That, that wasn't only Doug who was the pastor in the late 50s. Within two months, Esther was in, was in a board. And now, mind you, she had three kids while she was here in five years. She was young. And in my mind, she had every excuse or, and or reason to not be as involved as she was. And yet, she was deeply involved in the ministry with her husband. And I'm way better at figuring out excuses. God bless her, she's still doing ministry. 90 years old, getting around, doing well, uh, ministering to her grandkids and her kids and uh, just being a woman of God. But it reminded me that she had three children in her, her this was Doug's actual first pastorate in the 50, whatever it was, 7 to 62, I think it was. And yet, she was involved. So what does it take to leave a legacy? The first thing it takes is a plan. You have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you will fail. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. That seems pretty simple, does it not? It seems pretty straightforward, does it not? Paul, the old guy, he's about, to, he's about to die. He knows he's about done. Timothy, this young protege, taking over a lot of the responsibilities in, different, in a different church, in a different place. But Paul is trying to encourage him and offer him some advice. He says, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Do you know how you be prepared in season and out of season? There's only one way to prepare to preach, is there not? You got to know it. You got to have read it. You have to have experienced it and at least uh, mulled it over. I think all too often we're, we're preaching the word of the world and not the word of the gospel. Paul says, listen, cor correct and rebuke and encourage I love this part, with great patience and careful instruction. Timothy, this is how you do it. This is how you run the church. This is how you run your life. This is how you build a legacy of faith. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Watch your tongue. Carefully pray and contemplate what should be said. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. I'm concerned and sometimes we aren't preaching the right gospel when the way we talk and the way we walk and the way we do life. Did you catch, I know you're probably in the middle of your gardens, just like mine doesn't look that nice. I didn't take a picture of mine. It's got a lot more weeds. 
blasphemy. But if you want to plant a nice garden, there are steps to getting a nice garden, are there not? If you want to get a good uh, production on what you've planted, you have to start out with good ground. And then you have to take care of that ground, and you have to take care of all the weeds out of that ground. Then you have to put... Uh, let me give you an example. I bought some new peas and some new green bean seeds this year. I planted those, and I planted two nice rows. And then I was in my garage, and I saw... I was like, holy cow, there's another bag of beans and another bag of green uh, peas and beans. I'm going to plant those. Why wouldn't I? Now, had I probably found those first, I probably wouldn't have bought new ones, right? I just threw in the old ones. Well, I planted two, bar, uh, two bags of a bag of green beans and a bag of peas that were last year's and some for this year. This year's came up. Last year's, I literally have one pea. One pea plant. That's a row 15 foot long. One. The green beans didn't even come up. I don't know if something ate them uh, or they're junk. I don't know. But had I not, had I found those, I wouldn't have planted the others, right? I'd have planted my old seeds and used them up. But rather, I made a plan. Right? We don't try to plant a tomato seed in uh, June 1st, do we? Anybody ever try to plant a tomato seed in June 1st? Ken? When did you get tomatoes? About December? Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> exactly. If you're going to plant tomato seeds, heads up. It needs to be like February or March. I don't know what it is. It's not, I'm not good at it. <laughs> and it was little. In August, it should be like this, right? We understand planning for gardens. Why don't we understand planning for our spiritual legacy nearly as well? We don't do it as well. We need to work at it. There are opportunities to grow our faith, whether there's a Bible study here or a Sunday school here or uh, studies that are outside. There, uh, there are, there's a ladies' study that's starting on Thursday night. There are so many things that we have the availability to, and we choose to not be involved in those. And the reality is we're choosing not to grow and not to build on our legacy. And when we get to the end, we'll realize that we really have not done the best we could do with our spiritual walk. Paul says, Timothy, you need to endure. He said there are going to be people who don't want to hear the truth. There are going to be people who are offended by what the Scriptures say. If you haven't seen that, then you haven't watched TV very much. And you haven't had very many conversations about your faith. And I know lots of people who don't talk about their faith with other people because of that. Well, they don't agree with me. Well, that's okay. There are going to be people who don't know and who don't see and who don't understand. And that's okay. What does he tell Timothy? Be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do, no, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. If you are a believer in Christ and you say, I'm a Christian, let me challenge you. If you, can, if you can say that you're a Christian, lots of people say it, 
Not nearly as many live it. If you can say that you're a Christian, then you have a ministry. Not my words, that's what Scripture says. And if you have a ministry, that means there's someone on the other side of that ministry. There's someone being affected. Or someone God's going to put in your path. Don't shirk your duties. Do the work of an evangelist. If you're a Christian and you say you're a believer in Christ, then you have the work of an evangelist. Endure. Maybe you have no clue what this is. This is a nice mud run. I have some really good pictures, but I, they're in my office. I don't know if you've ever did, done a 5K mud run. It's ridiculous. Just ask my wife. She got it for Christmas one year. <laughs> Merry Christmas. She got a ticket for Christmas. My youngest daughter thought that would be great. Family bonding. <laughs> the mud runner is great. If you like to eat dirt and mud and feel like you fell in a big mud puddle and your hair is all gross and nasty. Some twisted way, Randy Bartlett and I had fun. My wife and Darlene Mills, it was endurance. <laughs> the best thing for them was getting out and getting done with it. It was nasty. But Paul's telling Timothy, there are going to be hard things. You're going to run into hard things. I, I, I can't fathom this mindset. I'm a Christian and everything is going to be flowers and unicorns and roses. Scripture is plain. It tells us it's not, by the way, Christian or not Christian, if you choose not to be of the faith. I would love for you to show me how life is perfect and there are no issues. Because the fact of the matter is, no one gets out unscathed. So you can pick faith, or you can pick no faith, but there are going to be challenges in your life. There are going to be challenges in your walk. And for those who think that money will solve all them, I, I'd love for you to... Show me someone in Hollywood who's got it all figured out and no issues. And um, I challenge you to find that because we both know, we all know, it's not true. And finally, Paul says, enjoy. Enjoy the life that God has put in your path. You see that nice little word joy in there? Find joy in what I've put in front of you. Paul says, you got to find joy in that. It's not always going to be easy. And some that I've seen have the hardest path still can find joy in the midst of difficulty. And some who have had it easy in my mind struggle the most with joy. And so I don't think joy is... Uh, in a direct uh, relationship with the trial you're dealing with. In fact, I know it isn't. It's rather the opposite. Joy is not connected to the problem, but rather how we deal 
with our problem. Where we take our problem, where our struggles are. We have the opportunity to find joy, even in the difficult times. And Paul reminds Timothy, listen, there's a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me. Paul's saying, listen, it's not only me that's going to get this award, uh, reward, this, uh, this crown. But any of them, any of you who have longed for his appearing, does everybody want a crown to wear to church? Scott doesn't want a crown. Scott, I was going to get your Burger King crown. But crown doesn't sound that exciting, does it? But what does a crown mean? Because it's not, he's not saying everybody's going to get a crown to wear around. What he's saying is, what's he saying? What's a crown mean? Who wears a crown? Royalty, right? Those who live in the king's house. And what comes with royalty? Advantages, right? The best of the best. He says what you'll get is the best of the best. Eternity with God. He's not, no one, we're, we're going to get a crown, but the crown isn't the important part. The eternity that comes with the crown. The opportunity to spend our, the rest of eternity with God is the advantage. Let me help you understand in today's terms. This is a nice loge. I don't like the Browns, just putting it out there. But in fact, I despise them. That's okay. I used to work for a company that had a loge just like this. I don't know if you know what a loge is. A loge is either box seats and or uh, you feel pretty special. Probably the tickets are, eh, probably what it costs them. It probably costs six, $700 a seat. Uh, and they have them for, you know, forever because they own that piece of the property, right? And you walk in, you, if you've ever been to an NFL game or a Major League Baseball game, you have your own bathroom. That should mean a lot to you. <laughs> Not only do you have your own bathroom, you have a fridge and all kinds of food. This is the inside, so if you're at a football game and it's cold and rainy and nasty, you just stay in and watch the game. The game's out through the window, but you can just sit on the couch, talk, and have dessert. Or you can go through that door, and there are also seats there with the common people-ish, Right? And the loge that we had uh, available to us, uh, we would go multiple times a year. And this may really date me some, but it was the old Cleveland Stadium. And if you know who Art Modell is, Art was the old owner of the Browns before they were the Ravens. <laughs> Art was legitimately two loges over. We're talking 25 feet from Art Modell. Hi, Art. Brian Gumble. All these guys. I mean, there's just. I mean, the the one in between that was all the uh, TV uh, celebrities. Talk about feeling special. They would bring this huge cart of desserts. I don't know what they cost. I don't even want to know. 
but they would have all these desserts. And it'd be like, would you like some dessert as they're driving by, you know? That low seat had, it as, it had its advantages. Even if you went out the door, you could sit in your T-shirt in a snowstorm. It had French fry heaters, I call them French fry heaters, on the ceiling. Electric heaters, uh, radiant heaters that just, you could sit in your T-shirt in the middle of a snowstorm. If you've ever been to an NFL game and sat and froze yourself to death trying to watch a game, your couch is way better. This is a step up, a big step. Membership has its advantages. A crown of righteousness, an eternity spent with God is the advantage. And Paul's telling Timothy, enjoy that. That should give us joy no matter of the difficulties of the day, the tiring of the day, the struggles of the day. That has to be bigger than the temporary things that we have. And honestly, needs to be a part of our legacy of faith. For some, we haven't stepped out of the boat. We know what it means to have faith. We understand what that means in our brain, but in here, we haven't made that step. And we can stand on the edge of that boat all we want, but there's only one, one way to have faith, and that's stepping into that water. And so my challenge for you, if you haven't stepped or dipped even your toe into faith, my challenge for you is that's where it begins. That's where your faith begins. If you want a legacy for your family, a legacy for your friends, a legacy for those who come after you, a legacy of eternity. Your first step is a step of faith. And that step is this. I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, came as God incarnate, lived a perfect life, and suffered and died for my sins. And not only do I believe that, but I accept that as the truth. And I live my life differently because of it. Because that's where legacy begins. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so good even when we don't deserve it. Lord, I thank you for the love that you have showed us even when we were enemies of the cross. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.